All right. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, or uh, whatever you know time zone it might be. We're listening to this. Uh, taking stock is going to be starting now. And this week, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the shareholder proposal process. So, you know, as far as taking stock goes, when you take it, you earn your, for yourself a couple of great benefits. One of those great benefits is the ability to potentially submit shareholder proposals. So ideally here, uh, we're going to have in the nest a couple of links for you to follow along with. Um, the premier one is a in-depth guide that we recently published on ydrs.org that kind of top to bottom uh, will go through the proposal process. Uh, and that's the headliner. But before then, just for some quick uh, in, uh, updates about the DRSGME and YDRS projects. Uh, I just want to touch on that a bit uh, with Bibic. Uh, Bibic, thanks so much for joining me here today. Hello. Yeah, always happy to be here. Um, uh, today um, marked a special anniversary for me. I, po I posted my very last uh, broker of the day guides. I've been posting them uh daily uh there was a couple of gaps but uh we just hit day 365 today um uh, just rounded out the end of the uh polish translations for all the um polish speaking brokers out there that we have on the site and uh yeah it's uh it's the end of an era for me it's uh i didn't think we'd have uh, uh a year's worth of content uh, when it came to broker guides but here we are um, there's just that many out there that we've got nearly 150 brokers and, uh, you know, 200 translations on top of that. So, um, now, now that that's kind of done, we're going to be focusing more on some more tools, some more resources, educational resources, as well as the, uh, broker guide, uh, database that we're building for YDRS. Um, and I think we're going to be having a, uh, database party on Sunday this weekend um, to kind of well people can come along just to hang out um, chat to us ask us questions we'll be working on the database kind of um, going through what kind of information is needed to kind of flesh out this resource and uh, yeah hopefully we'll end up with some very very helpful data um, but yeah, uh, I, I'll save sneak peeks on on some new tools and resources coming up uh, for next week. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for me on the updates. Yeah, sounds great. Boy, it's it's funny. I I honestly did not realize that today was the three sixty five. Congratulations, man! That is beyond huge. Yeah, I did not uh, quite realize what I was uh, getting myself into when I started these daily posts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll see how long this goes for. There's like 100 brokers we have. And then, yeah, the translations started pouring in and we had uh, translators and proofreaders coming in to help out. And yeah, like we have some brokers, like interactive brokers, they've got 10 different languages they're available in now for, for people across the globe. So uh, yeah, hopefully it's going to help a lot more people or uh, help a lot of people help their parents who, who aren't quite up with the translators or using uh, Google Translate or anything like that. We're, we're trying to meet everyone where they are. 
Brilliant. I, I love it so much. And that's, of course, how it all got started in, in some ways was, you know, really the, the catapulting of advocacy uh, from you know, a small site to suddenly a huge, uh, huge eyes wanted to cover, you know, first dozens and now hundreds practically of, uh, of brokers all around the world. Absolutely love it. And that kind of segues beautifully into that data, database party that you mentioned, because what's better than supporting uh, so many brokers for GME, it's supporting so many brokers for all of the thousands of stocks out there. So uh, we love DRS. We want to spread that to everyone. And um, so th- thanks so much for for that update there. Now getting into the uh, the main event, um, one of those major benefits of DRS, because as we as we all hopefully know, there are many, but one of them is the ability to more seamlessly submit shareholder proposals. And uh, that's what we want to get into today, kind of a a start to finish overview as far as how do you know if you qualify, how do you submit, how do you find out the information for your company, uh, what happens after you submit a proposal, uh, does it get approved, denied, how do you find out, uh, what happens after that. So we'll kind of hop right into that. Pretty much uh, before I get started, I just want to again shout out these links that I see Bibic is posting in the uh, in the nest. They call it. Um, there's a article on YDRS that I'm kind of going to uh, go through. So if you want to read along, read ahead, whatever it is, that's available there. And we're also going to be linking the uh, federal regulation that a lot of the all of the citations in that article are pulling from. Uh, maybe a lot of folks are not always comfortable reading legal code, but I um, am someone who these days reads quite a lot of it. And this is the most readable legal code uh, I've ever seen. It's uh, written very, um, you know, in an approachful way. It's very understandable. And the it's almost written in the second person as if they're talking directly to you as an interested person to uh, submit a proposal. So I would absolutely recommend, even if you don't usually read law, to check it out and just get a good understanding for yourself of what the requirements are. So hopping right into those requirements. Um, The first thing that you're going to have to make sure of before you are able to uh, submit a proposal is that you meet a given ownership threshold. And these actually, they were recently increased um, in 2021. That used to be a little bit more easy to submit a proposal, but they went ahead and uh, increased those requirements. These days, you have to have held um, your security for at least uh, $2,000 in market value of that security for three years, $15,000 in market value for um, two years, or $25,000 in market value for one year. We're going to dig a lot more into that later, but essentially, it's a continuous requirement. Um, I'll give some tips on how to do the math and figure out whether or not you meet that that threshold a bit later on. After you have checked into that, then you'll just need to make sure that you can hold those securities through the date of the meeting. So often, the deadline for submitting a proposal is roughly six months before the time of the annual meeting. But that's not a hard and fast rule. That's just, you know, an approximate. Um, You need to not only meet the ownership threshold and duration on the time that you submit the proposal, you also need to keep holding those securities all the way up until the meeting. And then the last requirement uh, as far as eligibility goes is you also must be able to appear 
uh, as a speaker at the annual meeting if you uh, if your proposal that is is accepted into the proxy uh, vote material. Now, if that happens, then you'll have the opportunity to speak briefly about the proposal, introduce it to your fellow shareholders, and um, and all that kind of thing. So, just will also need to be available in order to do that. So following from there, it's important to know that you can only submit one proposal every year. So even if you're, I should say one proposal per security each year. So as long as you have qualified, you can send something out to the company and they will need to respond, but you can just submit one. So make sure that it's something that's very important to you. Uh, they, the proposal, proposals also need to just be 500 words in length or less. And so that uh, can be a tricky one to uh, manage to you know fit everything in there. Uh, but brevity is the uh, soul of wit, and you'll just um, need to spend perhaps a few weeks or months ahead of the company deadline making sure that you meet that requirement as well. Um, just to continue this overview, once you submit that proposal ahead of the deadline, the company then has uh, a requirement to respond to you within 80 days. And you'll find out at that point if the company A is going to be moving forward and adding your proposal to the list, or B, and this is the much more common one, if they're going to be filing for what's called a no-action request. And we'll be diving into that a lot more later too. But essentially, they uh, say to the SEC, you know, for XYZ reason, this proposal is not a good fit. Um, you know, we're not going to be adding this to our list, and here is why. And, um, you know, and they're going to wait for uh, the SEC to make a judgment on that. Now, in that case, and again, we'll talk more on this later, but you have the opportunity as the submitter to uh, file a rebuttal and to explain a bit more about why your proposal should be included and so on. So there are quite a few steps there, but ultimately it's well worth it. Even if your proposal is not accepted or if it does have that no action request granted by the SEC, it's still going to be filed publicly. The company will need to, uh, with that uh, public filing, uh, you know, they'll show their response and rationale for why it was not included. Uh, the securities law that was linked at the, in the top in the nest does include a couple of key, um, um, you know, given reasons that companies can use to kind of, you know, explain why there's, so they can't just say any old thing. They have to use one of these reasons provided within the law, which, you know, give them the ability to decline the proposal. So that's an important thing to remember as well. So ultimately there's a lot at stake here. Even if the proposal is not granted, you can still make a great impact. Uh, whether or not the proposal, again, is accepted, it's still going to be filed publicly. It can still be reviewed by all your other shareholders. And so that's going to give an opportunity to bring perhaps more attention to um, you know, some given idea that you have. If the same proposal or similar proposals are submitted by, say, five or ten uh, different individuals, then that's going to be indicative to the company that there is, you know, a rising interest among shareholders who meet these ownership thresholds in whatever these given policies are. And even if they don't add them right away, that's the sort of indication that can influence future policy or can begin to uh, lead to some media inquiry 
Uh, you know, if a company is declining the same ideas um, repeatedly from investors, then you know there's some questions to be asked about why that might be happening. And having the paper trail in the SEC filings uh, gives a lot of legs. You know, gives a lot of ability to that kind of argument to um, well, perhaps get a more public statement or further public statement from the company. Um, while we're on the the topic of um, how public all of it is, which is um, great for a lot of reasons, it's worth bearing in mind that obviously uh, with this kind of stuff, you have to put your name to it. So if you're going around telling everyone online, like, oh, I'm going to submit such and such pr proposal, uh, and then that specific proposal comes out and your name, like real life name is attached to it, people will connect your online account to your real life name. So it's um, worth playing some of it a bit close to the chest uh, or possibly um, talking to people in more more trusted circles rather than uh, blasting it out for everyone to hear. Um, just a bit of OPSEC, a little bit of a cautionary warning. Because, <laughs> yeah, we don't want anyone to be giving out their, their personal information by accident. That is that is a great call, and thank you for mentioning that. Um, it's absolutely correct that some of your personal information will be uh, filed with the SEC alongside these no-action requests. And likewise, in the other scenario where your proposal is accepted, uh, your name and um, relation to the company and all those sorts of things will be included as well as the filer in those proxy materials for that given proposal. So either way, if you are moving forward with submitting a pro proposal after going through this process, know that um, your personal information will be attached to that. So um, absolutely something to keep in mind and perhaps not use, not post your exact phrasings on your given social network um, as you're developing your proposal. Great thinking, thank you. So the next thing that we can kind of move forward here, um, as far as the thresholds for ownership, I know I rattled those off earlier, and they are definitely a bit complicated. I want to just spend a bit more time talking about the continuous holding requirement. So you'll need to have held shares for, um, you know, there's three different options. You can hold $2,000 for three years, 15000 for two years, or 25,000 for one year. And essentially in order to calculate that, what you're gonna to need to look up for your given company is, uh, let's say you wanna check for your $15,000 holdings over two years, you're going to need to look up the uh, trading data for your company. Let's say you wanted to file a proposal today on the 23rd August of 2023. You'll look up the trading data since 23rd August, 2021. And then you're going to make sure that, uh, you know, of course, first, that you own 15000 on that date two years ago. Then you're going to want to also look up what the lowest trading value was of your security during that date range and calculate out to make sure that you also owned that 15000 at that time. Now, assuming that you haven't sold any securities, of course, as long as you held two days prior to your filing date, and on the lowest value trading day in the interim there, of course, that means you're going to meet the threshold for all of the other days. So that bit of homework is, um, you know, 
just a, it's not, it doesn't take too long. Um, go to something like Yahoo. You can download the data and sort by, um, you know, the low price and kind of go from there. I have done one of the items in the nest that we were able to take a look at. I've used GME as an example, uh, since I figured that that may be something that a, a lot of folks will be curious about. And I've put done the math just so that you can check to see if you were filing today, uh, how many securities you would have needed to own and win. Um, so I'm not sure if that picture is in the, I think it is, yeah. So that's something that you can check out as well. One important thing to realize here is that when we're talking about this step, we're talking about uh, record owners. You know, so if you're a, someone who has gone through the DRS system and your name is on the issuer ledger, all you need to do is check your account history there with the transfer agent and make sure about these ownership thresholds. Now, if any of the shares that you need to use to contribute towards these thresholds were held uh, beneficially through a broker at the times that you're researching, you're going to also need to get a letter from that broker for those date ranges confirming that you are uh, you know, someone who had an account with them, who had the given shares during those given dates, and make sure to include all of that information along with your proposal. Otherwise, it'll get rejected uh, because the company is not going to be able to verify your ownership uh, without that uh, information from the broker. So one of these benefits from DRS is that you don't need to do that. Um, brokers, you know, some of them, I assume, may be easier to get this data from than others. They don't really have any incentive to give it to you. It's just going to be something that they'll get to when they can if you happen to have to request it. So that's something that I wanted to make clear here. Um, certainly for some of these older date ranges, uh, like at least in GME's case and in practically every stock's case, um, you know, a couple of years ago, DRS was hardly in anyone's minds at all. So that's going to be an important factor when it comes to seeing if you're eligible and then making sure that your submission is complete. So we, I can definitely answer any questions about that later, but that uh, I think that that um, kind of cheat sheet uh, document hopefully is going to uh, help a lot of folks visualize how to do this. Um, one thing I'll mention there is that, you know, naturally it's possible uh, for the, you know, maybe your all-time, like the all-time low trading price of your stock, maybe it hasn't uh, come along yet until the deadline. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind as well. You might need to recalculate if your stock hits an all-time low while you're working on your proposal. When it comes to those deadlines, one weird thing about this, and you'll see in the federal law, there is no hard and fast rule about how the deadlines are decided. Essentially, they just need to have enough time for that 80-day uh, response window I mentioned earlier, and beyond that, a you know reasonable amount of time uh, in order for shareholders to submit proposals, whatever that whatever that means. So the way to find that out, it's going to be company by company. You're going to check that company's uh, previous proxy materials. And you'll always find the following year's deadline within the proxy material. So, for example, again, with GameStop, if you pulled up the 2023 proxy material from a few months ago, uh, you'll find a section in there where it says that the deadline for 2024's meeting and proposals is January 3rd of 2024. So 
a couple months away. And um, that's always going to be the best place to look. The previous year's proxy materials uh, or current years, I suppose, because often the uh, often these deadlines are going to be in December or early January, just as a general rule, but again, not as a legal rule. As far as how to submit a proposal in terms of where to send it, that information is going to be in the same paragraph in the proxy materials uh, of that company. So uh, it'll say something like, you know, either mail to corporate secretary at such and such address or email to, you know, whoever at, you know, this company.com. Uh, just follow along with whatever information is provided for that company inside of that previous year's filing materials, and you're going to be able to submit your proposal just fine. And when you do uh, submit that proposal, you're going to want to make sure to include, um, per the securities law, you'll need a cover letter that has your name, your address, the securities that you hold, and which ownership threshold that you're meeting. Um, you're going to want to, uh, if you look at page three of the YDRS guide, then you'll see exactly the quotes that are lifted from the securities law that you'll need to uh, include. Uh, you'll say, I submit this resolution for inclusion in the proxy statement in accordance with Rule 14A8 of the General Rules and Regulations of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. You'll also say, I will attend the annual meeting to move the resolution as required by SEC rules. And you'll say, I have held the requisite amount of stock for the requisite amount of time and intend to maintain ownership through the annual meeting in and add your current year of the meeting. As long as you say those three phrases, then uh, and provided all that information is true, then you'll meet all those thresholds. And you'll just need to, uh, on the following page, detail your you know, 500 word proposal. Um, lastly, uh, if you, you know, on a following page, if you need to um, include that beneficial proof of ownership, you'll do that after your proposal. If you're a DRS holder and you're only using, you know, those holdings to meet the thresholds, you're not going to need to do that step at all. Uh, because, again, the, com the company will be able to verify internally that you uh, meet these thresholds. Now, I have some tips inside this document in order to, um, you know, write a strong proposal. And there's also some examples here about proposals which were successful in the past. Um, I'm not going to dive into those too deeply on this call. I think probably that's something that would be helpful for people interested to make a proposal to kind of review at their own time while they're writing uh, and go from there. Of course, if there's any questions about them afterwards, I'm going to be very happy to cover those. The largest major thing to cover now is just going to be what happens after you submit the proposal. I touched on this earlier. There's going to be one of two routes here. There's either the proposal is accepted and the company notifies you and you are going to be presenting at the annual meeting and the shareholders will vote on it and, all, and it's all set. Uh, that happens very, very rarely. Um, I, it's you know less than 5% of the time that proposals um, are, are automatically approved in that way. So what's usually going to happen is the company files what's called a no action request with the SEC. And that means they're going to say, you know, we don't feel that this proposal is uh, fit for our upcoming year. Um, they're going to give a reason or reasons for that. And 
At that point, you'll receive notification um, from them indicating that if you'd like to file some kind of rebuttal, then you're able to send that along. And all that has to happen in a, in a timely enough fashion. Um, you know, so there are uh, examples where even um, if someone says like, oh, I, I didn't get any, um, I didn't get any word from the company about my proposal and the shareholder meeting is tomorrow. There are times where the SEC has said you have to postpone the meeting because this person needs an opportunity to, uh, you know, express their thoughts on uh, this no action request, things like that. So you're always going to have the time to respond. And I'm sure most companies um, will handle it quickly. So as far as the reasons that a company can, can cite, uh, I'll just read these through, through these quickly. There are um, listed in the federal code, there are 13 different reasons that the company can dismiss a proposal. And you may see them relying on just one. Sometimes you'll see if you review the no action requests, um, that all, the link to that is also in the nest. Uh, you'll see that uh, sometimes they use multiple. So if the proposal is improper under the state law of the place the company is incorporated, then they can dismiss it. If it's a violation of federal law or foreign law where the company operates, they can dismiss it. Uh, if it's a violation of any kind of proxy rules, other places in the federal code, then they can dismiss that. Um, so those three, that's pretty straightforward. If there's any kind of uh, personal grievance, uh, meaning like if it's personally motivated, um, if you've got you know a bone to pick with the company uh, for some reason or another, and that comes up in your proposal, it's more emotional based than perhaps like financially based or uh, something like that, then that can also be dismissed. Um, for relevance, if it's just outside of the company's normal bounds, something that the company doesn't normally do, then they can dismiss that. If the company simply doesn't have the power or authority to enact the proposal, then they can dismiss it. Uh, if it has to do with the company's management and specifically changing how things are managed, then they're able to dismiss that. So now we get into some uh, you know, more subjective ones here. There's a variety that has to do with directors, meaning you know, board members. Uh, if the proposal is seeking to uh, disqualify uh, a nominee who's up for election or re-election or proposing specific other nominees or questions the competence or motivation of different board members, then they can dismiss the proposal. Uh, if it conflicts with a different proposal that the company has already had on the books for that year, uh, they will dismiss it. If the company feels that the proposal is already something they've implemented and already do adequately, they can dismiss it. Um, if they feel that there's already a different proposal that meets the same uh, qualification or meets the same uh, details, and it's more like a duplicate, they'll dismiss it. And then finally, if it, it's a resubmission, meaning that if so if your proposal gets, uh, if you submit it this year and it gets denied, you actually can't submit it again um, within five upcoming years. So let's say I submit a proposal uh, in 2024. I can't submit that exact same proposal for, until 2029. But that doesn't mean other people can't. It's just that I'm not able to send them the same one year after year. 
And that, you know, that pretty much covers all of the different reasons that they can decline these proposals or rather file for a no action request. Um, often the most common is going to be, you know, uh, management functions. Number seven, uh, quote, if, if the proposal deals with a matter relating to the company's ordinary business operation. And of course that is extremely broad. So in that case, You'll be prepared to do to uh, you know, put together a rebuttal as to the reasons why, you know, if declined in that way or any other way, um, your proposal should still be looked at thoroughly. Things like economic interest for the company or sustainability um, are are good avenues to kind of look at. But again, that's something that for any of you interested in writing proposals in the future, uh, that is something you'll have to keep in mind as you're developing the proposal. So if the challenge um, from the company fails, then of course you'll be at the annual meeting uh, with, with your proposal. But again, that is very rare. What is more likely to happen is the challenge will succeed. Uh, your original filing, the company's response and any rebuttals from either side will all be filed into the no action uh, directory on the SEC's website, which we've also linked in the nest. And so that's definitely something that can be interesting to review uh, to see, you know, just kind of more about why companies might uh, might decline things, how they phrase it, what investors respond with. Um, I've clicked through a bunch of them <laughs> in my preparation, and you can definitely tell the difference between uh, some investors who uh, have done quite a lot of homework and some investors who have not. But um, they all did end up in this no-action warehouse uh, either way. Um, let's see. I think the I think I was only also just going to mention here that one uh, kind of bizarre um, thing to keep in mind about shareholder proposals is that even if they pass, whether or not they're they're enacted by the the company or the, they're proposed by the company or by an individual. There is no um, uh, compulsion. There's nothing forcing a company to actually uh, be bound to that proposal. So, uh, regardless of this whole process, even if they end up having it on the book on the proxy vote, even if 50% plus of people vote for it, that still is not a guarantee that something will happen. But uh, of course, a company who decides not to move forward at that point would be probably drawing the ire of their shareholders and of the media. So. Um, and it is a possibility, though, just something to keep in mind. And um, yeah, so in conclusion, you know, the the ability and the privilege to publicly influence and get a response from the companies you invest with is extremely important. And although issuing companies have the ability to decline practically any proposal and often do um, through filing of no action requests, uh, I definitely believe this is something worth considering, something worth doing the math for each year for the companies you invest with to see if you would be able to move forward uh, with a proposal and something to talk to your fellow investors about uh, because one of the key best ways that a company can know about the public interest is through these proposals. Quite literally, you know, only people of a certain investment threshold uh, can submit them. You're only allowed to submit one a year. So no matter what it is you decide to file, you're saying something with that because there, you know, there's only so many people that qualify. There's only so many things that 
might be proposed, it's going to be things that are important for the investors. So I uh, appreciate being able to go through all that, and I'm happy to take any questions. Awesome. Well, if uh, yeah, if anyone wants to ask a question, put your hand up and we can bring you up as a speaker. Um, until then, I've uh, got a couple of questions I, I was uh, holding on to. Um, one of the things I know a lot of um, companies now, they do their uh, shareholder meetings online. So it's just usually done over Zoom. So I'm guessing if if you're successful and you get through and everything like uh, you wouldn't necessarily have to fly out to uh, Texas or Delaware or wherever, wherever the company may be. You can just kind of go in, get a, get a Zoom invite or something like that. Yeah, that's correct. Cool. That makes it a lot more accessible, I think, for for people across the globe. Because uh, aside, you know, time zones aside, uh, that's going to save a lot of people plane tickets. <laughs> um. Now, uh, I know you were talking about um, uh, where you were finding previous examples of, of shareholder proposals, and it was in the um, SEC, uh, what were you calling it? No obligation, uh, whatever you call it. No, ac- uh, no, no action no proposals action. directory, yeah. So there's plenty of examples of what didn't go through there. There, is there anywhere that you know that, uh, has successful proposals um, or would that be a company by company thing? Gotcha. So as far as that goes, um, there are some examples of successful proposals within the YDRS um, shareholder proposal document there that's linked. Uh, beyond that, there are a couple of um, different organizations that track successful proposals or try very hard to help shareholders create more proposals. Some of their resources were very helpful for me in preparing this. And uh, those are linked in the citations at the bottom of the uh, of that document. So uh, absolutely, the, the, question, the answer to the question is, yeah, people are tracking that, but there isn't, as far as I'm aware, a quick and easy SEC page that lists out all the successful proposals like there is for the unsuccessful ones. Awesome. So uh, I'll just get one last one in before uh, Lawson asks a question. Um, So uh, these um, previous proposals that you found that are linked in the citations, did you find them by going to the company's filings or is there like a good uh, path or route? So some directions you can give us. Yeah. So I'd got there from, um, one of these sites uh, that I do have linked there, I think it was um, As You Sow. Double check here. Yeah, so that was, if you go to asyousow.org, and that, you know, it's linked at the very bottom of the YDRS page. Um, there's also um, Yusuf, which is another a pretty good one, and ICCR. There's several there, but they all track um, shareholder proposals, they're different. Uh, they're focused in different market areas, you know, like whether it's on energy or um, healthcare. Uh, they have different focuses, but that's how I was able to find some examples of proposals that I cited then in the uh, in the document. So 
I I definitely would advise clicking around those sites and um, and seeing what else you can find. Awesome. So that's um, Yusuf ICC and uh, what was it? So something. Uh, yeah, well, the, as you sow is uh, as you sow. Uh, so, but like, but like plant seeds. S O W. Great. Uh, I'll try and get those links together and up in the nest while while we get these other questions in. So uh, Lawson's had his hand up for a minute. Do you want to ask your question? Yes, thank you. Um, Chives, thank you so much for doing all that research. It's going to save a lot of people a lot of time. I've got uh, two questions. One's a quick one and then got a longer question. The first one is you talk about um, the no action request to SEC. Uh, You know, that makes sense to me. It's shareholder protection to some extent, is there um, an action request to SEC? Like, let's say they go forward with a proposal. Does the SEC have to give their blessing on that? Not that I am aware of. The The company would probably decline anything that's outside of their, you know, normal jurisdiction um, per those guidelines uh, that I had rattled off earlier and are available in the federal codes. And so following from that, um, you know, the company, you know, they're going to file that request and the SEC is going to agree that it's not sensible. Um, now, if like, let's say, uh, I guess I'm trying to imagine a scenario, like if McDonald's were petitioned to, uh, to have a proposal where they built a rocket <laughs> to go into orbit or something, I, I and the company accepted that, I mean, I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not aware of any example like that. I don't. I don't think there's any SEC filing that you know. I'm not. Maybe they would step in, but I'm not really sure about what would happen then. Probably they would just decline the proposal. Okay. So you're just you're not aware of a a procedure just like the no action request required to be filed with the SEC that there's an action request to be filed with the SEC. By filed by whom? If they're going forward with any proposal just that they would have to get the SEC blessing. You're not aware of anything? Well, well, I suppose the answer to that would be the proxy materials. Far ahead of the shareholder meeting, um, the company must file, you know, the the proxy materials for the the upcoming shareholder meeting, and that's going to detail things like the record date and all of the items on the docket for a vote, and the SEC is going to go over that. So I imagine if there were some kind of violation, it would be, it would be noticed at that time. All right. Okay, thanks. The second question I have is um, in terms of, I, I kind of want to get your thought on if a lot of people request the same thing and do you think that would be more meaningful towards the company or companies uh, maybe approving it or going forward, at least considering it? And and if so, um you know, maybe we should consider hosting somewhere ideas of, you know, if we haven't already, certain ideas. I mean, the two things that stick out in my mind are let's get them going with being an IRA custodian, well, at least computer share, being the IRA custodian, or having GameStop look into uh, revising their contract with computer share in regards to their, their plan, um, just plan in general. But maybe there's some better ideas out there. If, say, 15, 10, 15 of us, uh, since we only get one proposal each year, and I'm talking about GameStop here, 
Um, would it be, do you think it'd be more meaningful if like 10 people said they want this, they want to see this, or do you think it gives them the opportunity just for a, a blanket um, denial? Well, I, I think it would ultimately vary quite a lot on the company. Uh, at least in GameStop's case, one thing I will mention is that this past uh, meeting uh, season in 2023, and you can see this in the no action um, uh, you know, a directory there as well, there were six different submitted proposals, uh, all uh, in the realm of an NFT dividend of some kind. And so they were actually bundled together and GameStop provided the same declination response for all six of them. But um, that was, you know, there were eight total uh, rejected proposals or no action proposals for GameStop in 2023, um, two on two other subjects and six all on this one subject. So definitely that shows quite a lot of interest from the investors who were eligible to submit proposals. Uh, as to whether or not that directly correlates to company action. I mean, that is something where we can't know, but uh, I definitely believe it's worth sending the message. And if folks, you know, um, independently all have the same passion and want to propose the same thing, and maybe there are more than six who submit this year, who knows, then that is uh, absolutely a statement. Uh, I know that doesn't really answer your question, but um, I'm not sure how else to to answer it. Yeah. Do you think we could host somewhere? I, I, maybe it's in Discord and I haven't seen it, but just I, ideas for proposals. Is there something going like that? I don't think we have any spot for that right now, and we certainly could have a place for people to talk about it. The only thing I'd caution is just for people to remember that when you do file a proposal, your name will be either oh, right. you know uh, po posted with the no action request or included in the proxy material, depending on the outcome. So just something for folks to be aware of when they're collaborating online. Right on. Thank you. Uh, let's see. I think six days has a question too. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chives. Um, I have two quick questions. I don't know if you had addressed these earlier. Um, the first was, I was wondering if there's a window for a shareholder proposal is there like a 30 day window in December type of thing, or can you do one as early as now? Um, I don't know if that's been covered before. That's a great question. So you, it's a pretty big window. Actually you have from the moment, the previous year's proxy information is filed all the way until the deadline in that filing. So um, again, I, I used the GameStop example earlier. I don't remember the filing date right now for the 2023 materials, but I think it was, Maybe it was March-ish, and uh, the deadline is January 3rd of 24. So that's a good eight or nine months that you have to determine eligibility and get your proposals in. All right, perfect. Um, the other thing is, uh, where's the best place to find this information? You know, when I go to write my proposal, is it going to be on the ydrs.org? Um, is it already on there? It is already on there, and a link to it is in the Twitter nest, which I don't know how to access, but I hope you could find it. I'm still learning Twitter. All right, thank you. Um, do you think um, you could also? Um, I, I know this will be posted in Lemmy. If you know, I know some people will probably want to hear um, what we talked about uh, tonight, and and maybe if that was included on that page, would be helpful as well. 
Oh, yeah, it'll be there, uh, along with the other resources that we've uh, shared in the nest here. Well, thank you, Chives. You bet. Did you have another question, Lawson? Yeah, just with what Six Days just mentioned, I, I've been hosting these recordings on the Twitter community, DRS, your GME. Uh, I forgot to post last week's, but I'll find it and post it. But uh, it's something we could always link to if people are looking for an alternative source for the recording. Yeah, and we do have downloads available on the um, on Lemmy as well. If folks prefer not to go through Twitter, then we'll have downloads available. Um, they're usually up the following day after these calls. Awesome. Any other questions from the uh, from the folks here? I think that that might be everyone for now. But I, I wanted to come back to the whole having your name on the proposal. Um, it's something that's obviously worth bearing in mind, but um, there are a few things like, yeah, as long as you're not sharing specifically the specific wording that you're going to use in the proposal, then there's plenty of uh, plausible deniability. And then there's also like if you and several other people want to submit a similar proposal there's safety in numbers and that kind of thing um it kind of grants you semi anonymity oh my god I'm, <laughs> it's late here uh, anonymity oh my I'm, I'm gonna skip the word uh <laughs> but yeah it's um there are ways around it much like how we do and how we organize and meet up online like uh some of us know each other's real identities, but like we don't go around shouting it to everyone. There's there's uh, shades of grey and lines that you can draw on boundaries. You can have have kind of relative privacy, uh, whilst also putting your name on the line. Like there have been with signing petitions and things like that. Uh, it's I it's something I think is well worth doing. Um, while while we've been doing this space as well, I had a little look up to see if what my eligibility was like. Um, I th I'm just under on both the two year and the the one year. Um, although interestingly enough, the two year, I think this will be the case for a lot of people. Um, two years ago, I had only just started DRSing my shares, so um, I've got like less than twenty officially owned shares uh two years ago um and then that jumps up quite considerably to the last one year um date but yeah the uh the cash requirement goes up considerably um one thing i was wondering as well from a question earlier was so if i was to submit my proposal today would my um holdings have to equal that kind of two-year threshold the fifteen thousand dollars from two years today, or would it have to be that much at the deadline in December? So that, that is a great question. And it has to do with the time that you submit the proposal and two years previous to that in the two year case. So, you know, there's the chance that maybe the, um, you know, maybe in a few months you're, you're actually going to be eligible because, you know, theoretically, if the price is stable of your given stock and you owned more of it, you know, uh, 20 months ago as opposed to 24 months ago, then maybe you'll become eligible later in the filing period. 
Yeah, that's great to know. Uh, I think that will make it possible for a lot more people to get involved because if you can time it to a certain day, if suddenly, you know, the price goes up and you need way less shares than you did the day before, then you can get your filing in quick. But also at the same time, it's not worth rushing your proposal because as as Charles was mentioning earlier, you've got to make it bulletproof. Uh, you want to do your homework and make sure no one submitted a similar proposal and uh, it's got to be relevant and it's got to be something new and not something the company's already addressing. So there's yeah, plenty to consider. And Lawson, do you have a follow-up question yeah. there? Charles, do you know if um, you submitted today, is that 80-day reply deadline, is that as of the December deadline or is that would that be 80 days today? Wait. It's... No, that's going to be 80 days from the proposal deadline. So if you could hand the corporate secretary your proposal today, that you would not be getting a response until at the earliest January 4th, the day after the deadline. And then up to 80 days after that. That sounds about how long it took to get my first DRS through. That's not too bad. And I just wanted to follow up there, Bibic, on on your question in the uh, about the um, continuous holding requirement in that kind of cheat sheet uh, picture that's in the nest there. There's a hypothetical for folks that are looking to file for the three year. If you wanted to file for the three year today, the low price three years ago was I think a dollar fourteen, but if you wait until December. Um, then the three-year low is all the way up to four dollars, which uh, makes it you know that's that's a massive difference in terms of number of shares you would need. Oh, and I forgot to mention that everything on that sheet that's all split-adjusted prices, so you don't need to worry about calculating for that. All of that has the split already accounted for. And that data you downloaded. Um... Did you do the split adjusting yourself or was that kind of baked into the... Uh, no, that was like, that was baked in, thankfully. Awesome. Um, and what it was a CSV file that you downloaded and you just import that into a spreadsheet, basically. Yeah, exactly. I got it from yahoo.finance. Um, don't use them for anything else, but they did me good on this. Amazing. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of these little steps uh, people are unaware of, like I, I myself am pretty smooth on these matters. Um, I, I just write the broker guide. So I kind of uh, know my little niche corner. And then when it comes to all, all this um, legalese and uh, hoops to jump through, I, I get a little lost, a little lost in the woods. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading through more of the um shareholder proposal guide on YDRS and uh, helping others kind of form their proposals because I think if we can work together you know many hands make light work so uh, we can figure out what's already been proposed what would be dismissed uh, and um, yeah help a lot more people make a lot more uh, productive proposals absolutely absolutely and I, I think just to kind of put a big bow on everything here, uh, one of my favorite things about doing this research has been thinking about how every day, uh, especially with something like GameStop, where people are 
uh, long investors and they're thinking long term and they're holding the stock in their own name. More people are becoming qualified to submit proposals every day. And I think that's a fascinating thing to think about. Uh, one last thing I want to mention here that's that's uh, also sort of fascinating is that with all the thousands of companies that are publicly traded and all of the hundreds of thousands or millions of people that own stock in those companies, the amount of shareholder proposals across all companies annually is numbered in the low hundreds. It is it is not something that is often utilized by retail investors, whether or not that's because of the hurdles of beneficial ownership or because of uh, the common investing practice of diversification, making it difficult to reach these thresholds. Uh, point being, there are overall very few proposals compared to the amount of investors in the market. And so I think this is one more area where um, dedicated investor bases can absolutely draw a huge amount of attention to their given stock uh, using an available resource uh, like these shareholder proposals. Amazing. Yeah, I think that puts a bow on it very nicely. Um, I think, yeah, we've we've covered a good amount today on investor proposals. Uh, I, hopefully this will serve as a good resource for, for people who want to come back, figure out how to do it for themselves, figure out where to look. Um, the YDRS page is, has got a lot of resources and citations to, to get people going as well. Um, and yeah, come and join us on, on our Discord and Lemmy. Um, if you go to uh, drsgme.org, there's links to the Discord uh, and Lemmy. And then there's a link to the Lemmy on ydrs.org as well. Um, yeah, we're all, we're all here having conversations, figuring stuff out, uh, helping each other learn. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's good times. It's good vibes. So, uh, yeah. Come, right. if, if you have questions, come and find us. You know where to find us now. <laughs> so there'll be a post game up about this, uh, this you know, cast that we did uh, on Lemmy some point tomorrow. If you have any questions about this, didn't get a chance to ask them, you're listening in posts, uh, just drop by and ask. I'm happy to help. Um, we'll have, I want to have another call about the proposals in another few months as the deadline uh, for companies is a lot closer. And then uh, lastly, just a preview uh, next week, um, Bibic and I are going to you know, take another look, a little bit a deeper dive into the SEC bulletins that came out several weeks ago. We'll be talking a bit more about uh, you know, those ownership types and also updating about the uh, database party that got mentioned at the top of the call and talking a bit about those efforts as well. So hope to see uh, some folks next week for that. Looking forward to it. See you next week. All right. See you, everybody. Thank you.